Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with Russian-born folk singer-songwriter Daria Kulish. We had a really fascinating conversation that touched on songwriting, creativity in general, handling criticism, and just the trials and tribulations of being a performing folk musician. You can find Daria online at daria-kulish.co.uk and you can find me, hear my music and see the projects that I'm up to at robertlaymusic.co.uk as well as on social media as Robert Lay Music. It would be fantastic if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast because doing that helps other people to discover it in the future. Okay, here's Daria. Daria, hi, thank you for um, chatting to me today. How are things? Hi Rob, uh, um... Things are good. We're just sitting uh, in the kitchen next to the garden, mm-hmm. and I'm currently looking at some flowers. Good. Lots of green and some scaffolding, which isn't quite as peaceful. No, and you, what was that thing saying? You've got to sell some more CDs to pay for the renovations. That's... Absolutely. But I think in the long term, it's less painful than having our roof collapse. So. Yeah, that ends up expensive if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you literally need a roof over your head. Um, and you're kind yeah. of in between shows at the moment on tour? Uh, yes, uh, I've just done a big launch gig for my new album, mm-hmm. Earthly Delights, which was absolutely wonderful. I've had an amazing band, seven-piece band, and uh, I would even say it might have been my best gig ever. Oh, cool. Where was because, that happening? Uh, it was at Dunton Folk, mm-hmm. which is a 14th century church. Uh, beautiful setting, and uh, the band were incredible. Uh, the rehearsals were fantastic. I knew they were going to do a brilliant job. And uh, the whole evening just flowed. And uh, uh, yeah, I will remember it for a long time. Uh, but now I've done uh, the big gig. I'm doing uh, quite a few smaller gigs uh, in uh, uh, both uh, uh, solo and duo format mm-hmm. uh, across a few venues and festivals, some really nice festivals mm-hmm. in uh, June and July. Good. So was the seven piece, was that a one-off or were there any others with that? Well, I would like to see it happen again. Obviously, there's costs and logistics, so uh, it would be nice to get some main stage festival bookings with a sound like that, but... Uh, that's something that I might need to build a little bit more reputation mm-hmm. for. But generally, yes, you can only get away with something like that for a special, special occasion, sure. such as an album launch. Yes. And do those players play on the album as well? Then, would they? Most of them, yeah. Most of them do. Uh, for, but for example, bass and percussion, uh, uh, that's something that usually my producer does in the studio, mm-hmm. but uh, he doesn't perform live that much. Uh, but uh, uh, musicians like Johnny Dyer, Vicky Swan, uh, Marina Osmond, Kate Rouse are all on my album. And it was lovely that they could join me mm-hmm. on the night. And uh, uh, Johnny did an incredible job as a musical director mm-hmm. uh, because obviously it's quite a challenge to get a tight sound from such a big band. But he did a wonderful, wonderful job. Great. That's really cool. So mm-hmm. talking about creativity then is the sort of the, the main thrust of this. So could you give us an idea of where did music sort of enter into your life? When was the first time that you were aware of it? Can you remember? Well, um, here I will risk sounding quite, uh, I don't know. What's the word? Esoteric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is because I do have a memory of a particular moment uh, when uh, I was about 11, maybe, and uh, I made a wish mm. uh, before going to sleep because I've always been quite a creative child and uh, I dabbled in some poetry. I was quite good at doodling and generally artist stuff. Uh, but I've had this episode of rejection when I was about five, when my mom took me to audition for a music school, which, you know, was a very rigid Soviet-style classical framework, so I wasn't quite enough of a child prodigy that they were looking for. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I couldn't sing in tune, but again, I was only five. 
And uh, that's something that I've really always wanted to do. So I just remember making that wish uh, that I wasn't that bothered about poetry or art, but I wanted to be able to sing. Mm-hmm. And at the time I thought I couldn't. I thought there was something that I was completely incapable of. And so, so it's almost like I made a wish uh, uh, that all of a sudden I get this talent. And it's not that I woke up the next morning and suddenly could sing beautifully, but just over the next few years, I did become quite emboldened and, you know, started just singing well, very casually, little parties or uh, friends and family you know, some school events. Although, to be honest, there was this that episode, which is quite embarrassing, but I may as well tell you. <laughs> uh, once I realized that actually I wasn't too, too bad at singing, um, I was uh, involved in a school play, or not quite a play, like a parody in Russian. It's called Kapustnik. It's when you're taking the proverbial out of teachers. And, you know, it's all in a very lighthearted and yeah. uh, a nice way. But, uh, yes, it's a bit of a... Uh, yeah, very, very lighthearted thing. And, uh, I was going to finally reveal my talent to the whole assembly, to the whole, well, most of the school, because, uh, that was usually quite a big event, uh, having these, these little plays. And, uh, I was going to sing, uh, My Heart Will Go On, mm. but it was always meant to be, uh, not quite so serious because I changed all the lyrics. I rewrote all the lyrics and I was going to do this romantic scene with uh, a boy who was uh, uh, representing a history teacher. And part of the comedy was that I've always been quite tall Mm -hmm. and the history teacher was not very tall. (laughs) And yet I was one of his favorite students. So basically we were enacting this whole, you know... (laughs) love affair <laughs> aboard the Titanic <laughs> and uh, obviously the iceberg was uh, representing the approaching history exams that we were all terrified <laughs> of <laughs> uh, but yes I was going to sing some funny lyrics yeah. about allegedly being in love with my history teacher uh, but uh, I was going to sing it properly mm-hmm. so I was going to sing it nicely and showcase my voice uh, even though the lyrics were Funny. But uh, when the big day came, uh, literally hours before, well, I must have had some cold, some flu thing, and I completely lost my voice. Uh. Uh, which meant that because the whole thing was a piss take, uh, it still worked because it was just hilarious. So I just, uh, you know, I, I, I still did the song, but obviously it was sounding completely awful and completely hilarious. But obviously that was my big moment gone. Right. <laughs> so all these people just thought, well, okay, this is funny. This is hilarious. We've enjoyed that. But the idea was that I was going to sing properly and nobody heard it. It was going to be the reveal of your Yeah. Your yes. Talent. Yeah. So did, <laughs> when did that happen then? Was there a time when you did sing and you were able to think, I've, I've shown people now that that's, that's my thing? Uh, well, again, I think it happened gradually rather than the big reveal. Uh, so I started singing um, in an Irish pub. Uh, I was part of uh, a little resident band. So that's uh, when I started learning a lot of uh, Irish and Scottish songs. And uh, those evenings were quite casual, but it was nice to just start uh, mm. gradually getting some nice feedback and just learning the songs and also learning to sing in a bit more of a folky style even though I've always been even when I just came to the UK about 12 years ago I was still my singing was still very classical uh, just because that's the Russian way and again I've uh, I've been working on that I think people still uh, pick up the classical influence and even suspect me of being classically trained which I'm not but I just, I just think it's my background <laughs> rather than anything. And, um, it's, uh, good that, uh, I've been able to inject quite a lot of folky influence into my singing style because, uh, it has improved it. So how would you describe yourself? Would you call yourself a singer or a, a songwriter? Obviously you're all of these things, but is, yeah. is there one that you kind of would hold up more than others or not? Uh, it might sound pretentious, but I like using the word wordsmith. Mm-hmm. Um, storyteller. 
musical storyteller because it is about the words for me primarily. Um, and the songs are about telling stories in the way I sing them, in the way they're arranged, uh, in, uh, terms of the sound and the atmosphere that I'm trying to create, uh, musically speaking. Uh, when I really go for a big epic sound mm-hmm. on my album, when I can truly uh, go for as rich a tapestry as possible. Uh, so in that case, the voice is a is a tool. Yeah, to tell the, the story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's how it works, mm-hmm. and uh, it creates an atmosphere. It uh, sets the scene. It conveys the emotions. And uh, I've had some lovely comments where people are saying that, uh, well, Tony Birch from FATIA said that songs aren't just sung but lived uh-huh. uh, or acted out. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, every every song is lived or acted out as uh, the character or the characters even. And the songs are they are they are they you? Are they characters? Is it a combination? Well, my first album was very autobiographical, Eternal Child. That was certainly me. Mm-hmm. Uh, then on Long Lost Home, I started telling other people's stories and offering their perspective, so it wasn't always me. And um, the latest is very much a mix, because uh, some are stories, uh, fairy tales, so obviously these are characters, uh, and some songs that are a little bit more... Uh, less uh, directly storytelling and a little bit more about uh, uh, the general message that the album carries. Well, those are me. Cool. What's the process? Like the narrator, if you like. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting way of putting <laughs> yeah, it, actually. The yeah. narrator of or, um, a collator, maybe, of different stories mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's the process for you for writing? How does that work? Is it is it a lyric-led? Is it music-led? Is it a mixture? I can be a mixture. I like thinking that um, when I come across a story or a concept that really grabs me and I feel that creative spark and I know that it's going to become a song, it's like coming across a door, a locked door, and you know there's something really cool behind that door, you know, a garden or a room, mm. and that's when you know there's a song behind that door. But you don't always find the key straight away. Sometimes the key is hanging right next to the door. Those are the lucky songs that Mm -hmm. can be written within minutes almost. And uh, sometimes you have to wait till you find that key somewhere. Could be under the doormat, could be somewhere (laughs) else entirely. (laughs) Could be in the wrong (laughs) Like one of these crazy uh, old-style adventure games. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, yeah. I'm a geek, I love these games. (laughs) You know, Monkey Island and like. <laughs> oh, did you ever do the the fighting fantasy books? You come across those? Uh, no, I, I, but I know what you're talking about. I've um, uh, I've played a couple of those on apps now that they've been converted yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah my brother's yeah, older cool. than me. Yeah. He had all of, mm-hmm. a load of those from kind of, I guess, the eighties. Mm-hmm. So you'd be sitting there, and then you, if you want to do this, go to page ninety-three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. quite good, and of course you cheat and read both. To, yeah, to yeah. check which is the right one. To do. <laughs> Cool, okay. And then the, the actual physics of writing, then, are you with an instrument when you're writing? Yeah. Um, so finding that key to open that door, uh, yeah, sometimes you need an instrument to come up with some melodic hook uh, or verbal hook, something. Sometimes not at all. Sometimes uh, it's a phrase, and once the phrase comes into your head, there's a melody attached to it, regardless of any instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, you do need to have a little noodle on uh guitar or shruti box or even I even though I don't really play uh the Appalachian Dulcimer at gigs um yeah I still need to uh spend quite a bit of time practicing but I have written songs with it. Um so that's mm-hmm. how it goes. It just gives you that little push and uh and and then the rest of the song well it's like opening that door all of a sudden oh there we there we are. I can see it now. <laughs> yeah, I really like that way of putting it. And yeah. the fact that some songs are easier to get to than others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for me, you know, sometimes I think when people talk about inspiration, that's the idea that comes. So that's the obvious door with a key next to it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of, not say easy. That's the easy bit, you know, that lyric or that melodic thing. Yeah. But then the craft is creating a, 
that complete thing from that, yeah. you know, writing the third verse or the middle yeah. section. Yeah, and again, that can be different. Some songs are finished and done, and you know they're fully formed mm-hmm. instantly. Some others, yes, you've opened the door, yes, you've explored the room, but maybe it's a little bit untidy, and maybe you haven't found anything, you everything you were looking for. Yes. So you have to then spend some time, let it again, let it rest, and spend some time working on it and editing it. Yes. Yeah. And how are you to write into a brief? Is that something that you would do? So uh, either a brief, so someone else has set, or um, a schedule. If you you know if you're working towards mm. an album or something like that. Well, I try to not put myself under too much pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really respect artists like Ange Hardy who can somehow write a whole album in a month once they've given themselves themselves time of touring yeah. and just have a free month. Yes, let's write the album. I don't think I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, within reason, I could probably... Well, I have uh, actually written a song for a film very recently, so I guess that was a commission. And it's nice because uh, sometimes it gives you direction. When I'm not working on an album or on any specific concept, I actually find it harder to find these stories because... Uh, you know, I don't have that tunnel vision where I'm specifically looking for stories to fall within that framework. Yeah. Uh, so it was very good to get that commission. And uh, uh, that was required uh, within weeks. Uh, but I just gave myself time, you know, put myself in that headspace and was just looking for the key. So I managed to find it. I wouldn't want to do it all the time because I think uh, there would very soon be nothing left in the pipeline. Uh, but uh, yes, within reason, um, a commission is a good thing because it can give you that little push and uh, just send your mind in a slightly different direction. It's almost like picking up a new instrument that can sometimes stimulate creativity and all of a sudden, oh, here's a new song because you're just getting new ideas and just a new sound, just a hint of something. Mm-hmm. And and then and then it just gives you... A different direction. Yeah. I think a lot of musicians find that, don't they, if they are focused on one instrument, so, you know, yeah. traditionally, if they're a guitar player yeah. or a piano player, at some point they'll find themselves coming back to the same things fairly mm-hmm. often. So that's where trying something different, like a different instrument, or even a different tuning on, mm-hmm. you know, on guitar, if, I think there's that element of not quite knowing what you're doing, which yes. can lead you, you sort of get into that. Yeah, you experiment, that. yeah. Yeah, that's and, right. And you feel totally free. That's yeah. it. It is a freedom, isn't it? And then it's sort mm-hmm. of uh, half mixed and not knowing what you're doing, but that's quite liberating as well. Yeah. So is that something you experiment with, trying different instruments, different approaches? If you were to... Do you have a set format? Like, and if you were to stick with that, is it restrictive or not? Or is that sort of a problem you've encountered? Uh, well, obviously, once you've written quite a few songs, you do encounter the fact of uh, going round in circles sometimes, and you have to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Because something that I'm trying to aim for is diversity. Yes. Uh, both uh, in terms of my album sound and my live sound. Mm-hmm. So having a mix always helps and um yeah i should uh, really spend uh time uh honing my dulcimer skills and also i've been given actually gifted this amazing two-string instrument from kazakhstan what's that called <laughs> uh it's called the dombra okay and uh it's fascinating again a very different approach very different sound um yeah, uh my you know left hand needs to work very hard as you would imagine with just the two strings. So, you yeah, know, it's all over the neck if you want to play it properly. Yeah. Oh cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um and uh-huh. also um you you paint as well. Uh well I say I doodle. <laughs> doodle, okay. Uh so uh yes, that's uh that's a good thing. And uh I certainly enjoy commissions very much because for me the problem is because I'm so focused on music is just finding the time to do art which I really enjoy mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I've done many commissions from portraits to uh, CD design but uh, I really need people to uh, give me these ideas and these commissions so that I then make the time mm-hmm. 
to do these things and because I don't do enough art it's always very rewarding because I feel there's a lot of energy that's built up and it's always very satisfying doing these commissions because uh, there's quite a lot of creativity all pent up that's just pouring out and it usually works out quite nicely. <laughs> and do those things feed into each other, the, the creating music and creating art? Uh, well, I design all the artwork for uh, my records, and uh, yes, they complement each other, I would like to think. Mm. You know, the stories and uh, the visual representation of these stories or some sort of you know symbolism behind the stories. And how about as a uh, as a punter? So, like, because I've found recently, I'm going through this, this sort of thing where i just not listening to music all that much because it's, it's kind of as if that's my whole focus mm-hmm. of what I'm doing that it's not that relaxing for me to listen to a lot of music so I'm you know I'm kind of getting into art and film a lot more really mm-hmm. um how about you? Are you do you listen to music a lot is there a different art form that you're not involved in is, which is where you get your uh, mm-hmm. release or inspiration from Oh, uh, that's uh, yeah, that's a very good question. Obviously, uh, you uh, I wouldn't say, especially by what you're doing, doing the podcast with other musicians. Uh, I will certainly not accuse you of not showing enough interest in what yeah. other people do, <laughs> uh, and I think that's obviously part of. Uh, uh, being uh, a musician is uh, being aware enough of. Uh, your peers. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I do try when I have the time to listen to records and radio shows. Well, thankfully, we've got all these amazing radio shows where you can, uh, hear a lot of new releases. Uh, so many people, uh, well, uh, like Neil King and so many others, uh, are giving so much of their time, uh, to present us yeah. all this new music. And uh, also, when you meet other musicians, you do CD exchanges or you know buy CDs. And uh, I always uh, endeavour to find the time. I enjoy going to gigs mm-hmm. when I can. Obviously, it's always challenging. Uh, you sometimes there's just clashes when you're doing your own thing, and sometimes you're just too low on energy mm-hmm. to to go uh but and that's uh sometimes the one of the frustrating aspects of being a working musician is not having enough time yes. to appreciate what the others are doing uh but when i do have the time and energy i enjoy going to gigs very much mm-hmm. uh and uh i also enjoy books and art and film yeah uh, I'm a I'm an all round creative cat. Uh, I like exploring all these different art forms. Well, I guess uh, you know I've uh, my degree is in arts criticism. Uh, so mm. for five years at university, I studied all sorts of art forms. Uh, we did history of art and film and all sorts really. Mm. And there was a lot of yeah, I read a lot. I did uh, book reviews on uh, Russian national radio. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, the problem is, uh, there's not enough space in my head. <laughs> uh, I wish I could have retained all of that, all of those experiences, all of that knowledge. And sometimes I feel, oh, yeah, just forgetting things. But, uh, but you know, in some way, it still has gone through my brain and surely left a trace. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You can sort of take things in. Uh-huh. And even not on a conscious level, it's all even good stuff, but also bad stuff, stuff that you haven't enjoyed that much. There's, there's yeah. a reason for that. And having all that stuff percolating in your head, yeah. I think, is, is useful. But, yeah. you know, outside of art as well, I think uh, I'm myself reading quite a bit about sort of business now and, and, oh, really? and entrepreneurship and this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And, there's, and this whole thing with creativity... It feeds into everything, actually. It's not just about doing music mm-hmm. or, or theatre or anything. It's, yeah. You know, everybody successful has to creatively solve problems, I think. Yeah. Um, and the sort of circuit of our musicians, I think that's a similar thing. We, again, why ask people how they see themselves as a musician? Because as well as all the music bits, you're, I think most of us now have to be a publicist, um, yes, a driver, mm-hmm. <laughs> a gig booker, yep. um, a social media guru. guru. Yeah. 
you know, all of these things, which all, you know, they're all jobs. Absolutely, <laughs> Traditionally, yeah. that would be one person's full-time job, and we're having to kind of have a portfolio career of these different things. Yeah. How And, and the problem with that, of course, is I think for a lot of creatives, those skills don't necessarily overlap. So the being a very organized musician with a diary full and knowing mm. where you are, that's not, in my experience with some creative people, that's not quite in their their wheelhouse. It's not the same for everybody. Yeah. Um, I quite like it. I like being sat there with a the diary yeah. and organizing schedules and things. Yeah. How about you? Do you find that easy or is it something you've learned to do? Uh, I guess I've always been quite organized. Uh, I still have, they say, student syndrome. Uh, uh-huh. where I like doing stuff properly. I'm not very much a spreadsheet person, although I do find spreadsheets help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I guess I also have good memory. <laughs> uh, so generally being organized and always doing my homework or, you know, in close yes. homework, <laughs> always replying to all the emails. Yeah. Which again is not yeah. always easy, is it? Particularly yeah. if you're traveling, you find that as well. If you're out and about and you're traveling, it's difficult sometimes. Oh, to keep very on top much, of that. yeah. Especially uh, when you're just having to stay on top of things. Uh, yeah, sometimes the timing isn't great. With uh, uh, yeah, you it, it it can get overwhelming, and also, but but the part of the skill is being aware. Yeah, when you just need to take a step back. And give yourself space. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to be present. You don't have to be available all the time. Especially on social media. Don't have to post every day. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, music fans do appreciate when uh, a musician has this uh, likable and accessible uh, and you know, quite sincere online presence. But at the same time... You do need your personal space. Yes, you've got to have a, a life yeah. as well, haven't you? And I think yeah. actually mm-hmm. people respect that as well. Mm-hmm. That's the, you know. Um, yeah. And I, f- I feel as if most sort of, certainly on this circuit, sort of fans are aware how difficult it is. They know that it that people are doing all of these things themselves. They know mm-hmm. that it's, you know, a, you know, not a massively... Uh, profitable. Profitable, <laughs> yeah. Not massively financially rewarding thing necessarily and there's a lot of risks involved in it as well yeah and they appreciate that so i think they do i mean i've seen it with people when people have sort of said i'm going to take some time out i need to i need to not be doing this for a little bit there's a bit of happening you'd kind of think well maybe people would be annoyed but they're not they they appreciate that and then people just come Mm. back with more energy absolutely absolutely and uh also it's quite helpful that there's a discussion about mental health issues Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. in doing this and we just need to be kinder to ourselves and once again taking a step back when necessary but also uh, it's nice that people are understanding and uh, that there's certainly growing awareness of uh, the reality of being a working musician Mm -hmm. and uh, I never take any support from uh, uh, fans and generally music appreciators for granted because, well, we're doing this thing for love and also because we just couldn't really be doing anything else. But they, well, they choose to support us so yeah. generously and so, you know, without any selfish reason or profit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's incredible. Yes, and, you know... We wouldn't be able to do it <laughs> if, <No. laughs> if, if they weren't there to do it. And, you know, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's that thing. I was talking to somebody about this a little bit yesterday. And for me, occasionally, if you, not this ever happens, of course, but if you have those concerts where, you know, perhaps the turnout isn't massive, yeah. um, it can be quite easy to take that out, that frustration out on the people who were there. When, of course, they're there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's the... Well, I think uh, you just need, it's, it's hard uh, when uh, I have uh, a gig and everybody has, let's be honest about it. Um, when I have a gig with um, a lower turnout than desirable yes. or expected, but I know that the people who are there deserve the very best of yeah, me. Of course they do. 
Or even if I had a really rubbish day, like one day I had a gig in the evening, which I only just about made after sitting in traffic for eight hours because there was a huge, huge accident on the M1. I was absolutely exhausted. And, you know, and you do need the energy. You do need something to deliver that performance. And I just felt I was scraping the barrel. Mm. But uh, you see, the frustration for me is mostly with myself when I'm... It doesn't matter how many people they are. They still deserve the very best of me every time. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I just don't have enough energy to deliver what I feel is the best of me, it's hard. And I'm normally frustrated with myself because, again, you know, how can you blame the people who are there? Yeah. And uh, how can you blame the people who are not there? Yes, that's yeah. No, yeah. There's, yeah. Uh, it's always difficult to get people to things anyway, but there's so much competition with stuff, and it's yeah. And 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 you know, people have lives. Yes, I do. So again, every every person that does choose to spend their evening and uh, pay money to listen to my songs and stories, uh, well, I'm 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 deeply grateful, and uh, I feel that at every gig, every single one of them just deserves the very best performance that I can deliver. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, it's hard um, because uh, when you're not happy with uh, your performance, obviously you're being hard on yourself. And also it's exhausting because uh, obviously we all know that there are gigs where you get so much energy back and uh, it's just like flying. Mm-hmm. It carries you. And some gigs, especially when there's low numbers, you give a lot more energy than you receive. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, just physics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. uh, and, uh, well, you just need to keep going. Cause you just need to keep thinking that, okay, well, maybe this wasn't the best gig, but the next one will be amazing. Mm. And kind of that, that's usually how it works. <laughs> I found that. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. I think part of the problem for me sometimes has been this idea that when you start, you kind of imagine it's going to be this smooth line of improvement. You know, the, mm -hmm. the venues will be more prestigious. The audiences will get bigger. Yeah. The reaction will increase. And it's not, it's not no, quite it's, like that. Yeah, it's certainly not that. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Ups and downs, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, it's good to have uh, that sense of momentum that you're improving as an artist, you're writing better songs, playing better, singing better. Uh, but, you know, in terms of any uh, anything material or financial, you can't really set yourself that target like a business would. Right. Uh, it's, 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 it's good when you see an improvement on mm -hmm. that front, like selling more CDs, mm -hmm. attracting bigger audiences. Yes, playing some of the venues that wouldn't book you before and now they are. Yeah, that's all very rewarding, absolutely. But at the same time, well, something that I'm very cautious and I would warn any artist against is this concept that's unfortunately perpetuated by reality TV and talent shows and uh, myths and just popular culture that you get your big break, mm. that somebody's going to discover you. And change gonna, everything. Yeah, that you're going to find that manager or that agent that's just going to wave a magic wand and transform your career. Mm -hmm. uh, for 99% of artists, it's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong about it. You can still find a lot of joy and satisfaction and even uh, do quite well financially after following a far more organic path. Mm -hmm. And sort of growing a sort of organic yeah. Um, yeah. following. Yeah. So basically, if you're not satisfied with what you're doing uh, just on a day-to-day -day basis and constantly hoping that tomorrow you're going to have your big break... And are really just putting up with it in that hope, then you should just give up. Yeah. Sorry to say. Because every day is going to be quite disappointing. Guess, yeah. 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 You, obviously, it's always nice when you get these amazing opportunities. Uh, but you really need to find joy and, uh, well, peace. Yes. Uh, with what you're doing on a day to day basis. Well, that leads me into something that I'm interested to talk to people about. 
with uh-huh. us, which is a definition of success, whether it's creative, creatively or um, career-wise. What would let's talk about the song first of all? What is your definition of a successful song of uh, successful creative um, endeavor? Uh, well, to me, uh, an, eye, an eye-opening moment was when I wrote The Moon and the Pilot and how all of a sudden that was a song that wasn't just something I wrote that meant a lot to me, but just seeing how people connected with it. So all of a sudden I have created something that, just not just something that I was proud of uh, in terms of my own artistic development, but something that people actually needed. You know, I... And... Uh, and yes, it's quite vain and a little bit selfish, but you know, it's nice to be wanted <laughs> as, a, as a creative person. Yeah. All of a sudden you've created something that people truly reach out to and connect with. And it exists and you, outside of you as well. Yeah. It? Yeah. It gets, it suddenly, uh, uh, just lives a life of its own mm. and, uh, goes out there into that wide world and, uh, uh, and yes, that certainly gave my journey a whole different meaning. I'm not expecting every song that I write to do as well as that or to be as meaningful to people. Mm-hmm. But knowing that I could, I have been able to create something like that, uh, just changed my perspective completely and uh, certainly uh, gives a lot of meaning to what I do. Mm-hmm. And career-wise, what would be a successful... Um. Well, again, just getting to the point where you're happy doing this thing, mm-hmm. where obviously it's nice that uh, you don't experience too much hardship, where you can actually uh, have um, a decent life. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not talking about <laughs> rock and roll style mansions and sports cars, nothing like that. Just, just, just being content. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, uh, uh, I really respect artists who have been doing it for decades yes. just because they enjoy it. And, uh, you know, they're probably not going to win Grammys, uh, but, uh, they don't necessarily want to. Mm-hmm. That's not their idea of success. They just love doing every single gig yeah. and just being good at what they do. Yeah. And being at that level where, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess in some ways contentment can be dangerous. Uh, but, you know, but I think when I say contentment, I'm not saying being smug or self-satisfied, but just, uh, yeah, having your both feet on the ground. Yes. Yeah, grounded. Maybe that's a good word. And fulfilled, I think, is part of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 I think that's the most important thing because um, there's so many examples of artists who have uh, become very famous, uh, notorious even, you would say, and yet have had the most horrific struggles. Mm. Uh, So yes, on the surface, they've had fame and fortune, but some of them took their own lives because they didn't didn't Mm -hmm. find that happiness and peace and contentment. Again, contentment in the best way, not like, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not the best I can be. No, you always have to strive to... Uh, get better but just knowing that what you're doing has meaning and purpose and that yeah every single performance is an act of sharing your songs and stories and people respond to it and uh, you have that connection with your audience Mm. and you also have a connection with you know, the person you're trying to be and the artist you're trying to be. You feel like you are actually on the right path, you know, and it might not be a path to fame and fortune, but but it's a good path. <laughs> mm. uh, how do you feel in with, um, with criticism? What's your uh, approach to criticism or how does it... <sighs> well, does so it? some people even say that uh, uh, if you only get praise, then you should suspect that you don't have any talent. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I think that um, criticism, again, should be taken uh, uh, from quite a grounded perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be appreciated, especially when it's not mean but constructive. 
Uh, and uh, again, this is very much a cliche, but yes, art is very subjective. And uh, I guess uh, if you don't want to get any criticism ever, then maybe, uh, then obviously, when your art reaches out to more people, um, you get out of your bubble. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you could just uh, stick with singing songs at your local folk club. And uh, oh, I love folk clubs. I'm not trying to imply anything mm-hmm. bad about folk clubs. But technically, if somebody was to just keep singing songs at their local folk club, they would only get praise probably most of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, very supportive comments and very much admiration from, I don't know, about 20, 30 people. Uh, but uh, then, you know, once you start getting reviews from national papers and things like that, uh, well, what do you expect? <laughs> yes, they're not your... Yeah, yeah they don't know I, you anything, do they? They're not yeah, your, yeah, your friend yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Do you find uh-huh. that having more... Um, more reach or more reputation has led to more um, criticism, good and bad? Uh, well, uh, to be fair, uh, I've been lucky. <laughs> so maybe I don't have that much talent because <laughs> actually, you know, from that uh, logic, uh, uh, I don't know, again, I don't want to jinx it because well, of course, you know, a bad review would hurt. Yes. Uh, but I think that I've reached a certain level that I know that what I do have value. So, so criticism might upset me, you know, by, like adverse criticism, but it certainly won't derail me. Mm-hmm. And I would certainly see it for what it is. Yes. And uh, wouldn't take it personally as any, you know, assault on my creative person. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I think it's just part and parcel of becoming quite resilient. So things like uh, motorway closures, cars breaking down, <laughs> not many people coming to a gig or getting a bad review. That's all part and parcel yeah. of uh, doing what we're doing. Yes, that's, and that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, and uh, just feeling quite self-assured Yeah, and uh, not derailed by any of these things and the only way to avoid all of those things of course is just not to do anything exactly and definitely and definitely not try to expand what you're doing in any way just stick within your bubble you know yes. within your very Comfort safe zone. bubble where you know all the reviewers are your friends and you know all your critics are your friends and everybody will want to never hurt your feelings yes and the people <laughs> turn out the venue because you've been there before several times and that sort of stuff but you yeah. can get into new, yeah. new yeah. places yeah yeah do you compare yourself to other performers and musicians, or not much? Uh, again, uh, only uh, in a way where I see them as role models. Mm-hmm. If I want to emulate something good that they're doing, uh, I think generally competitive comparing uh, when you're thinking, "Oh, you know, why are they playing that venue and I haven't played there, or why did that magazine give them five stars and I only got four stars?" Can't do that. Mm-hmm. That is so destructive. Have you? you should never, you should never, you know, if you obviously, you know, we're only human, but uh, when you catch yourself having these sort of thoughts, uh, competitive thoughts, just try and completely, you know, step away. Them. Yeah, from step that. away, yeah, yeah. But you do experience them then, you think that's kind of. Well, I think everybody does, but, uh, but uh, I think recently, and I am being quite honest, recently, less and less. Uh, I think when I just started out, I was quite hungry for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the funny, funny enough, I feel the better I get, the less competitive I get. And is that being more assured, self-assured in your own thing? And it's it's your thing, and no one is doing what you're doing better than you. Somebody else might be doing their. Th- well, of course they're doing their thing. Yeah. But it's not it's not yours, so it doesn't really matter. It's a different. I think that's a very good way of putting it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing, again, comes back to that business thing, something that sort of struck me recently, is not everybody's going to be your customer. Exactly. And that's yeah. okay. And in fact, yeah. actually, you want to get rid of the people who are never going to be, not mm-hmm. in a harsh way, but if people are, yeah. are not going to be into what you're doing, yeah. then don't worry but also, about it. But also, it's, I think it's better to have people that really love what you do, and there might be less of them, mm-hmm. and some people 
won't get what you do, but mm-hmm. others will love it, rather than being very average and everybody just thinking that you're okay. Yes, you're okay, but I'm not going to invest yeah. much time yeah. or exactly. or whatever in that. Or yeah, yeah, I've had this conversation mm-hmm. with people before, particularly people who are more sort of active with I don't know YouTube or those sorts mm-hmm. of things, social media. Where mm-hmm. unfortunately, of course, there's a whole trolling thing that goes on Um, and it's that thing of I've had people say well actually because I think a lot of people feel frightened of that I don't want to you know all that sort of stuff but actually the more of that you get you can look at that in a positive way because that is just as you say it's part and parcel of having a bigger reach so you you get some of that stuff yeah accept it for what it is it means that you're getting out the more yeah and you know trolling isn't shouldn't even be seen as any sort of criticism these people are just wasting their time yeah, it's a that has absolutely nothing to do with you. <laughs> yes, not to do with your art. Yeah. And actually, I yeah. think that I think the people who handle that best kind of <laughs> are quite kind to their trolls because they can see it's potentially more about the person who's doing absolutely, the stuff than, absolutely. than the recipient. Absolutely, absolutely. I always take that for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, I guess, it can hurt people, but it, it's better, isn't it? I guess to sort of think, oh, I don't know why it is that you feel you need to do that, but you know. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be angry back at you because I don't think it's going to help anything. I guess is no. the way to do it. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, we've mentioned a little bit about the the mental health thing as well. I find this really interesting. I was asked to do a, a talk recently about drama in schools and sort of my research for it. This idea that the NHS is going to start prescribing art, so GPs will be encouraged, and there'll be some mm. money for them to send people to you know, arts and craft classes, music, um, dance or whatever it is, as an alternative to antidepressants and pills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think that's very interesting at the same time that arts is so under pressure yeah. in schools. So it's kind of as if it's not important enough there at that age, but then at the, you know, for adults actually, it's very, we can join that these things up strange, a little bit better, yeah. can't we? Yeah. Um, and I hope that's kind of where it goes, mm-hmm. that... You know, I find with schools and stuff in the past that you push people, even at degree level, to study things that will benefit them in a mm-hmm. career and all that stuff, which of course mm-hmm. is important. But mm-hmm. but to study things for the enjoyment of them. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, uh, the Soviet system of education, which I still caught the remnants of, was very general and mm. definitely not vocational. Okay. Uni- it's university style of education. There was a lot of uh, subjects that uh, were there uh, for general development. Interesting. Yeah. Not many things that I'm using in, well, running my business, if you can describe, you know, managing my music career as a business, which I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it's this whole cultural baggage mm. and the stuff that went through my brain that is very valuable and I certainly enjoyed studying from mm. that point of view there was no pressure in it being very applicable to real professional life <laughs> yeah there was a well for example we studied so much philosophy really? okay. <laughs> from the ancient philosophy to contemporary <laughs> uh, in fact I still sometimes get uh, nightmares about having a philosophy exam the next day <laughs> because I think I sat about 10 of them really? <laughs> Yeah. See, there was none of that in my, certainly yeah. in my education, and it's only now that I'm coming to some of that sort of stuff. I find it very interesting, and just mm-hmm. in the way that it crosses over with all these other things. Yeah, absolutely. About. Yeah, I think that's just part of getting older. You sort of, for me anyway, you sort of do see that all of these things are connected. That having a bit of knowledge of history feeds mm-hmm. into a knowledge of of yeah. business, and but then yeah. culture and arts. It's all, yeah, it's all useful stuff. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I really think that uh, governments should invest in in good education because that would solve so many problems with society. Mm. Yes, and there's a lot of things that... But then there are things that would be really useful that you don't learn that much about. Like I didn't know about mortgages until it came to the point that, that I was having true, to get yeah. them. So that, you know. Yeah, obviously some practical uh, knowledge is very useful. But, it, you know, and it, it's those things are sometimes simpler than you would think they are and you have yeah. to sort of educate yourself about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I... My um, my fiance is a nurse, so we talk a lot about the fact that we in our schools you don't teach people first aid, mm. which was like just an obvious thing to do, and I think they are heading yeah. towards it as well. Now. Yeah. Um, great. Okay, I think that's really good. Where can people find your music and your? 
stuff? Uh, so the main destination is my website, mm-hmm. uh, uk, or you can just Google Daria Kulesh. I benefit from having quite an unusual name. Yes, which is <laughs> it's something I would recommend to people who are maybe starting a career in anything is, is think of a name. Certainly more interesting than Robert Lane, but still, there we go. The absolute sort of um, well, it's just the accident of birth, isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. Like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Uh, great. Okay. And uh, yes, I would definitely uh, ask people to um, consider always going directly to artists and buying uh, directly from artists because I've had a bit of a scuffle with uh, Amazon recently. Let's uh, not go there. Oh no, that's. <laughs> I don't know if I've caught the end of this still. Um, I don't know if it's progressed since the last time I sort of um, saw what you were posting about it, but just could you give a slight roundup of what's happening with that? Because I think it is an interesting... Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of this thing, but uh, uh, I guess a lot of people aren't aware of how much counterfeiting and how much fake... Yeah, uh, it was new to me, I think, when I yeah, saw your post about it. Yeah, that unfortunately... Um, Amazon are involved in selling quite a lot of uh, counterfeit records, books and things like that. And it's an endemic problem. And I never thought that an artist who's, well, not of any huge international stature uh, would be counterfeited on a massive platform like that. And I only found out when somebody complained to me through my website Mm-hmm. about the quality of one of my records, that the artwork was poor, that there were tracks missing. And obviously I found out that it wasn't an actual record that they were complaining about. It was a fake, a knockoff, a really, really poor copy, mm. knocked off and sold on Amazon.com. So Amazon somehow got their hand on a, a real one. Well, I don't know who did it. Basically, these things are CDRs that are made on demand by CreateSpace. And CreateSpace are part of Amazon group of companies. Okay. That's so you, as far as I've got. So your album is listed as for sale? Yeah, so, um, so uh, Amazon have uh, access to my digital music. Mm-hmm. I don't distribute through Amazon, uh, physically speaking. Okay. But uh, there are MP3 downloads available uh, through my digital distributor, yep. Ditto Music, who also put my music on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and the like. Yes. Google Play, etc. And Amazon. So you can uh, legally download my music on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, technically, I will get a little bit of the money. People should be aware just how little of that goes to the artist. So I always say, please buy CDs instead. Because I put a lot of effort into these CDs. I love how they end up looking with the artwork and the sleeve notes. And uh, also, uh, I post each one by hand with a few perks uh, and um, I doodle on the envelopes so people get something a little bit more special. And for me, that's good because, well, I get to keep the money rather Mm -hmm. than giving more than half uh, to... Uh, some big platform that people just go to for convenience but they should really know A, that even when money does go to the artist and it's not counterfeit, artists get so little and that sometimes they actually end up buying a fake so the artist sees nothing of it and the buyer gets a really really poor quality thing and uh, I just I just hated that even for a moment that person thought that I was responsible for that awful awful thing yeah. that looks bad that sounds awful that has got missing tracks it's not me it's mm. not what I do I'm really proud of every single CD mm-hmm. that has my name on it yes it's very frustrating isn't yeah it? and then th- you know Thank goodness that they got in touch, I guess, because it would be Absolutely. so easy for them to be angry or disappointed with that. And then that's that as far as getting yeah. involved with your music. Yeah, they, yeah, I'm really grateful they took the effort. Mm. Yeah, and you were able to explain to them that's... Yeah, yeah, that's and, they, and, and, then, and, then they, uh, and then they bought uh, two of my proper albums things. from my website. Yeah. Mm. And that thing with the Spotify and the streaming, is, someone is making money from that. It's just not the people who create the music. And it's, it's even compared to a traditional record label where, you know, you could argue that they used to rip people off or whatever. But at least they had some involvement in the, yeah. the creation of the music, yeah. whether it's yeah. financial or, you know, mm-hmm. using their studios or there was some creative level for, for different record labels. 
there isn't really any of that with those companies, is there? Absolutely they're not involved not. at all. Yeah, absolutely not. They don't care. Yeah. And uh, they're trying to get away with it. Yeah. That's really what they're doing. Let's just see, you know. <laughs> do, you think, do you think things will change? Oof, well, uh, one would hope so. Uh, I think uh, people should just be uh, more aware of the fact that convenience isn't always best. Mm. Most people still go for convenience and watch the TV shows that everybody else is watching, mm. you know, buy from supermarkets or big online retailers rather than go independent. But at the same time, I think there is a growing movement in being a little bit more aware and conscientious and mm-hmm. uh, uh, where... As a consumer, you can make more impact is certainly buying direct from the artist or going to a small shop. Um, so, yes, hopefully. I don't know. Uh, I think we're at the point where it can go either way. Mm-hmm. We can either uh, build a much better future, generally speaking, you know, if we talk about the big problems like climate change, or it can all go to pot, but... <laughs> We have a choice. Mm. <laughs> it can be, you know, <laughs> a heaven or hell scenario. <laughs> yes, absolutely right. I think we do need to start making these choices now, though. Yes, um, it's, it's that being aware of things, isn't it, really? And we've been aware mm. for a while, but it's, things take a while to get into the general consciousness, I guess. Um, yeah. One last question, because I did say to finish about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, I, I'm not actually sure about this. How long have you been doing your the, the music side of things Seriously as you are now, would you say? Yeah. Well, I would say um, the timeline starts with the release of the first Cara album. Uh, mm. Cara is in the four-piece band I used to be in. That was the start of my journey, speaking more professionally. So that first album, uh, in fact, the one that got counterfeited on Amazon recently, right. uh, was released in uh, 2014. Okay, so that's fairly, it's quite recent really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I have learned so much since then. And if, have if, you seen changes in the, the the community and the industry in that time, or not much? Well, I'm certainly becoming more knowledgeable of it, because I came into the scene as a complete outsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just an outsider to folk music, but actually an immigrant coming from a completely different con- country. So it was a very steep learning curve in every way. And when did you get into the UK? Was that uh, around so that the same time, about, a bit earlier? No, that was quite a lot earlier. You know, I uh, I spent quite a lot of time first just adapting uh, and uh, uh, building a bit more of a solid platform. Just practically speaking, mm-hmm. I think uh, every time you make a drastic move like that, um, you know, people, some people would still think that I've adapted very quickly. Uh, but uh, for example, uh, my whole uh, creativity, uh, well, just the way I communicate, because yes, to me, it is about words and stories. Um, I spoke pretty good English when I came here. You know, I didn't come here with zero um, communication skills, not at all. But still, uh, one is being able to get by on a daily level. And second, actually being comfortable yeah. communicating through the medium of song mm-hmm. and story. And you need to take your skills with the language and your awareness and knowledge and just, you know, get yourself inside the language um, on a much deeper level mm. and uh, that just took some time took a couple of years at least mm. cool okay I mm-hmm. think we'll leave that there and thank you so much Derek. it's been really interesting oh thank you very much and yes. I'll as you mentioned point people towards your website where you can buy mm-hmm. the real thing yeah and there's a lot of interesting stuff on the website I try to keep it quite uh, informative and there's people the stuff that people can watch and listen to, learn about my grandmother's homeland of Ingushetia, for example, which is a part of Russia, not many people have even heard of. Uh, so yeah, I hope people discover the website and just have some fun browsing. And I'm not 100% sure when this will go out, but you're kind of more or less constantly playing shows around, aren't you, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So again, all the listings are on my website. Yeah, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch. Let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you. Till next time, goodbye.